Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circus. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we break down everything racing. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing. I have Richard Uden, the CEO at Rouge Engineering, and Seth Eggert, the NASCAR correspondent at uh, Motorsports Tribune. How is everybody tonight? Doing good. Good, thank you. Man, it's great to talk to you guys, but I'll tell you what. Uh, NASCAR put on that race at the Roval. Um, there were, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, folks thinking that it, it could be a total shit show or it could be something good. But at the end of the day, um, I'll tell you, I I enjoyed it. I, I thought that they pumped some excitement into that October race that was, you know, lacking attention and lacking attendance for a while. Um, there was enough drama in there. Uh, to, uh, you know, support any spine you want. We had, you know, fuel mileage games. We had uh, worn tires at the end. We had, um, you know, the guys bouncing back and forth off the chase bubble. At the end of the day, it was Ryan Blaney crossing the checkered flag first right behind um, or right in front of Jamie McMurray. And um, Jimmy Johnson... Jimmy Johnson and Mark Truex on the sidelines having wrecked in the la- in the in the last uh, turn of the last lap. And um, the prior restart, we saw Brad Keselowski who had a great car take about eight cars out with him. So, Seth, you were there. You spent your whole weekend at uh, Charlotte. You were at the uh, support races as well as the um, the main event. So uh, let's uh, let's break down this Roval race because I'll tell you, I really enjoyed it. How about you? I enjoyed it too. I would. Just about everyone I've talked to say it was one of the best races that they've seen in years. Uh, essentially, it was a successful experiment that uh, Marcus Smith and everyone at Speedway Motorsports and NASCAR uh, put together. It, it is on the schedule again next year. There were some questions about that. Uh, that being said, the it wasn't the mayhem that the drivers predicted. Granted, in practice, we had... A couple of drivers, namely Bubba Wallace and Eric Jones, 
absolutely destroy their cars on the backstretch chicane, uh, going over the blue curb turtles, as they were nicknamed, into that tire barrier and just demolishing their cars. Uh, otherwise, like you said, with Keselowski's wreck, uh, that was a combination of old tires, faster speeds because they weren't using the front stretch, front stretch chicane on uh, restarts, and basically overcooking it into turn one. Uh, it was a pretty interesting race storyline-wise. Uh, Jimmy Johnson essentially eliminated himself when he uh, made a mistake, had too little front brake bias, wheel hopped into Truex, going into the final corner on the final lap. He was going in there. He was about seven points to the good. He lost six positions. And then the, the first driver who was out at the time, Kyle Larson, gained a position when Jeffrey Earnhardt couldn't restart his car after he got spun in the melee. So it was just a perfect storm of events with different storylines, whether it was drivers getting in, into the playoffs, drivers falling out of the playoffs, the race in general. Uh, uh, Bojangles got some extra advertisement thing, courtesy of J.J. Ailey carrying that sign around the track. That was a pretty funny moment. Uh, it... It was a different road course race for NASCAR, and I don't mean just because of location, but the infield, a lot of drivers compared it to a street course, while the oval section, some drivers compared it to the Daytona road course that have competed there, like a Jamie McMurray, like a Jimmy Johnson, or even a Kyle Larson. So there was a lot of different things going on for a nice breeder, so to speak, for NASCAR. Yeah, so, I mean, all in all, I mean, I think that, that it was, like you said, a successful experiment. So, But let's talk really quickly about who we lost out of the chase field. Um, and it was it was funny because it was hard to keep up with during those last laps because it was bouncing back and forth. I mean, Jimmy Johnson went from uh, almost winning the race to – being eliminated from the playoffs. In the end, he was eliminated from the playoffs. You got a tiebreaker. Right, yeah. You got to wonder why he why he pushed the issue with Truex. If he'd have sat right there in second, he'd have kind of glided on to the next round. But, but again, uh, you know, the guy is used to winning races. That is, he's on a 51-race slump. Uh, I mean, he's dying for a win. So, Jimmy Johnson out of the playoffs. Austin Dillon out of the playoffs. Denny Hamlin out out of the playoffs, and the other guy out is Eric Jones. So, um, you know, we, we move on from our field of 16 is now a field of 12 uh, going in and over. But, um, you know, so, uh, but but it was really interesting to see. Yeah, Bowman was in, Bowman was out, Bowman was in. But, you know, you know um, uh, Larson was in, Larson was out. It was really, really a lot of drama there. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny because NASCAR has talked about wanting to kind of eliminate the, you know, air quotes, point racing in the um, in the playoffs. But we, we saw some really interesting things right there. So, Gray, you want to chime in? Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, the, the whole format. And, and like Seth alluded to, there's a lot of little storylines that all came to the surface, uh, you know, during – and, and after the race, and this is this is all brought about by the new chase uh, format that they have, that and, and the playoff system creates it, it you know, gets into it and creates this drama. Uh, you know, you had people uh, moving in and out of the chase 
on the la- literally on the last lap of the race. So I mean it, that really created uh, created the buzz that, that NASCAR wanted. But you know the, a lot of positive things came from this road. I mean, of course, it was a much anticipated event from the time that uh, we uh, it was announced. Uh, some positive, some negative. I think a lot of that the negativity was put to, put to bed. I know the drivers weren't real complimentary of the place uh, in the beginning, but I tell you what, it's it's like this. If you satisfy the fans, it's a win-win for everybody. And and I'll have to say the whole weekend at Charlotte was a, was a win-win for NASCAR. The uh, television ratings got a bump. Uh, both Saturday and and uh, and Sunday's ratings were up. Uh, sure, that was a lot of curiosity, but that that's what you want to have uh, in one of these events. And then two, uh, uh, they said, and, I, and Seth can can I may have heard more on this, but uh, they said it was the strongest ticket sales for this event that that uh, Charlotte's Motor Speedways enjoyed uh, hmm. in ten years. It it was uh, some drivers. Uh we're talking about it possibly being a sellout. Now we never actually got official word about it being a sellout, but uh, just walking through the infield because they had uh, not only the campers in the infield and in the inside of that small section of the Roval, but you had a lot of people who they sold not hot passes, but infield passes that they could come in and walk around, go over the spectator bridge and watch the race from different vantage points. I went up on the pedestrian bridge at one point to take in the first couple of laps, and it was a very interesting vantage point that I had never really been able to go and see other than maybe 12 hours of Daytona a few years ago. You know, one of the things that... that uh that one of the local TV stations here in... in in the triad, the, the high point went to some Greensboro. They put uh, their videographers at various places throughout track and really got some unique views from, from inside the track and outside the track during the course of the race. And it was some really nice video. It was, uh, it was a tough little racetrack. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that, that I can tell you uh, from, from the uh, post-race inspections from the cars uh, at, at RCR we saw things fail and break on some of the cars that we haven't seen in uh, in, in some other races when we when we got. So we encountered some things that we did not know and we yeah. weren't you we weren't anticipating for this race. So it was a learning experience uh, because a little bit different than your than your normal road course. Uh, it was somewhat probably with the with the type of thing the tightness of it. It it was what I would say like be like a street course. Uh, to some degree, and uh, I've also heard, you know, too, that uh, by um, by this uh, going on, uh, this particular race at Charlotte might open the door for some street circuits uh, down the road. Now that that remains to be seen. A lot have to be done to, to run a big, heavy, uh, big stock car on a street course. But it, but you know, uh, did they pulled it off at Charlotte? So anything could could could, yeah. could possibly happen. And yes. just a note on. Just a quick note on the part failures. Uh, Brendan Gaughan, who drove the Xfinity car for RCR, the number three, he post-race said he broke four jack bolts on the car, and previously he had only broken four throughout his entire career. Yeah. 
We had some other. We had some uh-huh. different, different different components. Uh, we saw uh, abnormal wear on and, and some breakage in uh, some things, and that's part of part of learning. You know what what it's going to take in, in, in preparation for the for the race in the future. Here to four, we don't. You know, they'd only been going out and running. You know, limited laps and testing and, and, and in practice. But you know, when they ran 109 laps at the place with with uh, 40 cars on the racetrack. Uh, you know, it it was it was a different animal, but but a great weekend all the way around for NASCAR. I mean, you know, uh, a, a terrific finish. Uh, you had one of NASCAR's uh, young guns, uh, very popular win for for Ryan Blaney. Um, the you know a fresh you know it was, it was a fresh event and it and it deserved somewhat of a fresh uh, winner. Uh, so to speak. So uh, uh, I think it was great. I mean, it, you know, tremendous finish. We had a little bit of controversy. So it had all the elements that uh, that that make a, a, a great race all rolled into one. Yeah, you know, and we talk about that maybe doing more of these in the future. Uh, you know, or doing street race series. A little early to, to for that talk. But, um, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, the new uh, NASCAR president, he's open, he's open to, you know, kind of uh, changed up the schedule after um, yeah. after 2019. So you figure there's a couple of uh, good races um, that we have now that have those infield road courses. Uh, Indianapolis comes to mind for but, sure. But one thing you want to, you want to guard against, Frank, is and, and NASCAR has learned this over the years. There's a fine line between moving, you know, bringing something new and oversaturating the situation. I don't think we need to go and and they start need to put in road, you know, running. I know I know other tracks do have road races. I mean, Texas has a Texas has a road course. New Hampshire has a road course. Indianapolis has a road course. I don't think we need to go jump jump in into this with both feet, or we're going to oversaturate what we've gained and end up losing losing the ground we gained. I think they need to step on step through this lightly. Uh, you know, and 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 build on the success they had this weekend, and not not overdo it. And uh, Marcus Smith also said that this would be the only SMI track to do this. That Texas, New Hampshire, they will remain as ovals. Right. He does not yeah. uh, want this moving away from Charlotte, as far as his tracks are concerned. Uh, that still leaves a handful of tracks that do have this capability, like in Indianapolis, a Kansas, or a Pocono. Yeah. yeah, see, see, for me, the two that come to mind that are Indianapolis and Pocono. Because Indianapolis, number one, because that Brickyard, Brickyard 400, it, it just still just doesn't draw the fans like it once did. And Pocono, because they've got two dates so close to one another, you can really change it up. It'll have two very different races uh, within the, the five, five-week span that the Pocono races are. Yeah, but, Pocono's... Um, Pocono would, ha- and you're looking at, you know, that's a major investment for these tracks to upgrade their road race. Oh, certainly, so, yeah. The only the only places that are that are ready, I mean, basically, a lot of these road race road courses that we've got at some of these other tracks are really basically up to lower level uh, amateur racing and karting and whatnot. Uh, Daytona is a is an international circuit. So is Indianapolis. Uh, Charlotte put a lot of 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. money into bringing bringing their road course up up to standards so i mean it's gonna it, it, it would be a big investment for some of these racetracks to do it too poconos um uh road course is 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 would would have to undergo a lot of work basically right now all it hosts is some some uh amateur series uh weekend series from time to time so really you, you know like there again i would be afraid and here's another thing too and we're going to get in this as we move forward in the show. The new rules package that NASCAR has announced this week may enhance uh, some of the racing at some of these other tracks to where you know, well, we don't we don't really need to worry about the road in the future. So we'll see how that goes too. And and that's a much that was a much anticipated announcement. And I think another positive thing that came out of this week for NASCAR. Oh, absolutely. But before we we get on to talk about the new rules package, I do want to, uh, you know, save a, a segment of the show to talk about the new rules. Um, now, now, Richard, uh, you watched the Rover race, and you saw the little, the little back and forth at the uh, at the end of the day between uh, Martin and Jimmy. And uh, you've got some thoughts to share on this. Yeah, I mean. Uh- as we all saw at the end of the race there, um, Jimmy sort of shot himself in the foot a little bit there. He was comfortably in the cut line going through to round, uh, round two in the playoffs. And, and coming into the final chicane complex there, he, I don't know if he, he outbraked himself. He actually spanned the car before he got to the apex of the first, you know, that right-hander. And as he was sliding through, collected Martin Truex, which was un- unlucky. I mean, there was no intention there to take Truex out. There was no malice in it. He just... On old tyres, you know, the, the guy's pushing for a win. Um, Actually, he got the wheel hopping. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was pushing. You know, there's no doubt about it. And he, he was lucky. You know, wrong place, wrong time for trucks. So after all the dust has settled and uh, Blaney had won the race, as, as they're all making the way back uh, to pit road, I think it was between turns one and two, uh, Truex just slams into the back of Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it wasn't a little you know, Bristol love tap. I mean, this, you know, put the, you know, Jimmy Johnson's uh, fuel cell almost into the passenger seat of the car. I mean, it was a big hit. And it just, it blows my mind that a guy, you know, the defending serious champion, Martin Truex Jr. here, resorts to that level of petulance and immaturity. It's just... It's just ridiculous. I mean, you, you see that people say these guys are role models, which they are. And there's been a lot of coverage probably a couple of months ago now of um, some 
independent, you know, some, some sort of Friday night driver, Saturday night drivers have put uh, Bowman Gray there. And a police officer had to pull a gun on one of the drivers because he was dr- ramming into another competitor. You know, in the Cup Series, the guys can probably get away with hitting each other with the safety levels that they've got. And they're not going to be too bad. You know, there's never going to be badly injured. But they have to set an example to other people. And it, I would, oh, it just, it's mind-blowingly ignorant of a guy like Truex with his experience and what he's achieved in the sport to go around and do things like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as suspend him from a race. But if you do that in any other racing series, you are in real trouble. You know, what makes NASCAR and, and Truex so much better than anybody else? Really, and it, really disappointed. And the funny thing is, like, Truex really didn't lose anything. He was already clinched spot to the next round, right? Jimmy did the damage to himself. Uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy by wheel hopping and taking Martin out. Um, actually, you know, changed his whole complexion of his uh, next uh, several weeks to uh, being out of the playoffs rather than being in the playoffs. So uh, uh, that was penalty enough. I mean, why Martin needed to, to, you know, stick the knife in and then turn it, I don't know. So, but, um, Mm, yeah, so. Yeah, I I was really, that left, to my mind, a really, really sour taste. You know, better than that. You've got to do better than that. Right, right. Now, now, Gray, you and I were talking earlier off the air about uh, Truex on the radio and whatnot, and, and, and uh, you know, some of us really like Truex, but uh, on the radio, he's uh, uh, he's he's pretty cutthroat, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, everybody everybody that can can draw, he's got his fans. I'm not I'm not a particular big big Truex fan. Uh, I, I listen, I scan him, I listen to him. I, I get tired of. A lot of these drivers, the way they talk on the radio, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just of a shut up and drive kind of guy, and <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, yeah, he's uh, he can be a little overbearing to me. To me, when I listen to him on, on the scanner, I know these guys are in a high pressure situation, and I tend to see a little bit of that. But I mean, you know, it's 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 part of the sport, you know, and I think. Uh, um, you know, I look at someone like Jimmy Johnson, and I, I listen to him and he, his his cool demeanor on the radio and how he handles situations and stuff. And I, I and I see how he's ascended to the top of the sport and has eighty some victories uh, in, in the sport. And part of that is, you know, his 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 ability to uh, to uh, let things go and 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 rise above and not let the not get caught up in these little. Uh, Little things. A lot of guys get on the racetrack and let little things get under their skin, and I think it affects it affects their overall performance as the race goes on. The guys who can uh, who can who can just stay focused and not let these things. They know, and during the course of a race, 500 miles, and you're in that car for three and a half hours. Uh, you know, the whole race in, in its totality. Some things are going to go your way. Some things aren't. And, and the way you overcome them and the way you approach them, in large part, has has a big bearing on how you're gonna gonna finish that race. So uh, you know, I just um, I tend to listen to a lot of guys on the racetrack, and I tend to listen to their attitudes and how they how they uh, how they respond in different situations. And Truex is a guy that uh, he he wears his emotions on his sleeve a lot. You know, when he when he's in that car. 
Absolutely, yeah. So very well put, Gray. So uh, before we move on to talking about the new rules package and previewing Dover, Seth, we had an Xfinity race there at uh, at the Roval as well uh, that you were in attendance at. So uh, let's uh, let's run through the Xfinity because those guys are in their playoff uh, season too. Yes, and uh, it it seemed Austin Cindric was going to be the favorite for at least the very early part of the race. He got the pole. He Dominated the first 13 laps until he overcooked his rear tires and just looped it in the the infield section of the Roval. Uh, from that point on, it was pretty much game on for just about everybody. Uh, Chase Briscoe ended up dominating the race, leading 33 of the 55 laps, and it was his first career victory. He's running part-time for both Roush Fenway Racing and number 98, which is a combination effort between Biagi Den Best and Stuart Haas Racing. And it was nice to see another first-time winner, as well as somebody who essentially lost their ride last year because of lack of sponsorship when Brad Keselowski Racing shut down. Uh, Justin Marks, who ran both races uh, this past weekend, this was his last NASCAR weekend. He's stepping away from NASCAR. He finished runner-up in the Xfinity race. Cindric uh, was the best finishing driver of the playoff drivers. Uh, Justin Allgaier looked like he was going to be the favorite for the championship. He was involved in yet another absent two weeks in a row now, and he's dropped to just about 12 points above of the cutoff now. Cindric. Uh, who, like I said, was dominant, who dominated a very early part, portion of this race, is still nine points out heading into the elimination race this weekend at Dover. And Ross Chastain right now holds that cutoff. He's right now the last person in. Uh, and somebody else I also want to just highlight real quick for the Xfinity series, Alex Labay. On the first lap, he lost the... Uh, the axle cap and the axle slid out of the rear of the car. He lost power, went two laps down, was able to get back on the way back through the field and finished 13th. And he had qualified a career best fifth. And it looked like he was going to have a career day. I would say he still had pretty much a very good day, despite not getting into the top 10. All right, well, absolutely, yeah. So, but now, Seth, you've talked about some more parts failures, and and Gray, we were talking about parts failure before. So, you figure with uh, with one year behind us of data on this track, do you think coming back, um, you know, next October, that the, the these guys in the shop will kind of figure out uh, figure out the fixes to some of these um, interesting failures that we haven't seen before? Well. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a learning experience for everybody. We're gonna, you know, everybody will go back and look at their cars and look at their look at their pieces, and and they'll study, do some failure analysis on things, and they'll improve. They'll know what to look for. And obviously, you know, it, it, we learned a lot going there for the first time. It, everybody was on equal footing when we went there. It was new. Everybody, no one had, nobody had an advantage. Everybody had an opportunity to go test there. Uh, and run the same amount of tests and the practice and everything. So, so basically, it was it was a clean sheet of paper when we arrived at, at the Roval. So, you know, next year it'll be a different story. Everybody's got a, a, everybody have at least a notebook uh, from a previous trip to to start on. So, and 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 we'll look at everything and we'll carry a better car back. So will everybody else. Uh, 
than we took this year. We should see a better. We, we will probably see a better. I mean, I don't know how we could see a better race, but we'll, I think we'll, I think it's a competitive track, and we'll we'll see the same amount of competition there. The drivers will get better uh, when they go back. The cars will be better, so uh, you know it gives Goodyear another year to look at tires and different things. In which I thought uh, the tire tires were, were great there. I never heard anybody. Uh, uh, complain about tires just like anything else you know you, you had tire degre- degradation there and that's a good thing when you when you go to uh when you go to a circuit uh as far as the racing goes so yeah we're looking uh we'll look forward to going back next year and i think also the race being in the chase uh, you know adds an extra element to it oh for sure yeah so speaking of next year so great nascar announced the specs for 2019 and we're looking at uh, bigger spoilers, bigger splitters, uh, less horsepower. Something very similar to what we saw at the All-Star race. So uh, um, would you be so kind as to kind of break down the uh, the rule changes for, for well, next year and, 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 and give your thoughts on them? Well, the, one of the big things, and we'll go, they're going to they're institute a package similar to what they ran at the All-Star races, and, and it's been dubbed the All-Star Package, obviously. That's the, the moniker that it's that it's that people are using with the uh, with the with the arrow enhancements in the car. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna do uh, they're gonna use that package at, at I forget how many races they're gonna use it at. Uh, Seth can probably eighteen. Uh, yeah, eighteen races next year. Uh, and uh, they're going to give them a little bit more of a uh, where they have a little more throttle response, uh, which is something they didn't have at uh, at the All Star race. It'll give them a little bit more throttle response uh, where they can uh, complete a pass, things like that. So we'll see how that goes. A little bit of a tweak to what to what we saw in the thing, and I think they're going to do that with uh, uh, tapered spacers in the throttle body. Mm-hmm. Another big change that was announced. The 2019 Daytona 500 will be the last race that NASCAR employees stricter plate at. The other plate races, as we've known to call them, won't be able to call them plate races anymore in the future. They're going to institute uh, tapered uh, spacers in the throttle body or beneath the throttle body at the second Daytona races and both the Talladega races next year. So that will change. There's an overall little bit of reduction in, in horsepower that we'll see across the board next year. I think that's right. Uh, I didn't, I, I don't, it'll, have, I don't go, have, it'll go down to 550 where the all-star race earlier this year was 400, 400. What, what so yeah, that, that's on the, yeah, that's on the 18 races that they're going to use yeah, the all-star yes. package. And what that does, it gives the drivers a little bit more throttle response, uh, when they, when they run and, 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 and they can help them complete a pass. In other words, so that'll, that'll, Help some too. Everybody be on equal footing. I like uh, I like that thing. That's one of the things that I saw. I thought they could improve upon uh, with the All Star package. And then, of course, obviously, we've got the the new package coming up from Daytona. So all these are positive changes. I think that that will enhance the racing at a lot of these tracks. So the, the eighteen tracks I think you were talking about is mostly the mile and a half. Hey, I don't think. Go ahead. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, it is mostly the mile and a half. And it's uh, also Michigan, Fontana, some of the bigger tracks as well. Uh, one other note I do want to make is uh, they're also going to have aero ducts at all of these tracks uh, that 
they're using the all-star package at, except for Atlanta, Darlington, both Pocono races, and Indianapolis because of the heavy braking that occurs at those tracks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I, so Atlanta will not have the arrow duck. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. They will have uh, break ducts in set instead. Okay, so they're just gonna they're gonna modify it a little bit and probably make a bigger a bigger break duct or something. And it's still it'll still probably disturb the air and just be a little bit a little bit different way. So they'll they'll duct the air through probably out through the uh, through the wheels. So we'll see how that goes. Yep, and I'm sure that's that still is open to. To 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 uh, some uh, some work on them too. So yeah, but I, I'm excited about it. I think um, I think it um, it's something to look forward to next year. So let me ask you guys this: so, so with the you know with the death knell on restrictor play racing after Daytona, uh, you know, well, it's not it's not a, it's they're just doing away with the plate itself. It's still right, right, a, right. A yeah, restricted race. Yeah. So what 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 type race do you think we'll see at? Uh, Talladega or the second Daytona. I mean, I mean, is this going to take away the the huge pack? No, it'll be similar but different. Similar but different. Okay, Seth. And well, the reason why I'm <laughs> saying it that way, it's going to be similar that it's going to be in a pack, but because the drivers are going to have more throttle response, they'll have a easier ability to make a pass, right. and therefore they're not going to be stuck uh, double file or triple file or whatever you want to call it uh, for laps on end, like how they are right now. You, you won't see one line stall out like you have, my understanding. You won't, you know how you've seen at Daytona where the, the high line or the, or the, or the low line, whatever way, one of them, one of line kind of stalls out that they get to a certain point, they side draft and they just don't have the extra. You're still going to see side, you're still going to see pack racing. And, and that's a byproduct of the draft. The draft is a great equalizer. This will give them a little bit more throttle response to allow them to complete passes and things like that. You'll see, you'll, you'll see some of the old slingshot come back that we saw, you know, in a bygone era, uh, things like that. So, yeah, it, uh, and I'm sure that, again, that's going to be something they'll have to kind of tweak on a little bit too, and it may be a, may, may be a test or two that we'll encounter along the way prior to going back but uh we'll we'll see how that goes but still it's an it's it's somewhat exciting uh, again the changes are and uh i think it's all uh, positive i think these are these are steps to um create better racing for the fans oh you know doubt. now richard you've been a little quiet here for a bit so uh I mean, you have worked on these cars for um, for some time. So, well, what are your thoughts on the, the, this uh, these new rules for uh, nineteen? I think they're you know the positives are encouraging. They've actually turned around and uh, listened to what the fans have had to say, and uh, you know you reacted in a positive way. Um, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment industry, and the job is there to get 
you know, backsides on seats, isn't it? And and get people in the crowds and getting people watching on TV, and that's waned a little bit in the last few years. So um, I think it can only be considered to be a positive move by uh, you know NASCAR in general for them to uh, to be looking to implement this. All right, so it sounds like we're thumbs up all around for the new rule changes, and it's uh, going to be really exciting to see them on the track next year. So uh, before we move on to talking about Formula One, I want to uh, first talk about some driver movement. And, Gray, um, the team you work for, you've got a new driver to announce. Yeah, we've got we, – we, of course, I was made news uh, – uh, during uh, Las Vegas weekend that Ryan Newman was going to depart uh, RCR and it subsequently came out that he's going to, he's going to take the sixth ride from Roush. So uh, it was announced <laughs> this weekend at Charlotte that Daniel Hemrick will go into the 31. He'll be promoted from the uh, RCR Xfinity ride. So uh, that, that'll, that'll take over the 31 and join Austin Dillon as his teammate for next year. That's fantastic. I really, I really have a lot of respect for Daniel Hemrick as a driver. I think the guy's a real hot shoe, and I think he'll do well in the car. Now, Seth, you followed uh, Daniel uh, through most of his career, so um, what are your thoughts? I think it's a well-deserved and well-timed uh, move up the ladder. I mean, I remember when he won the Legends of Million, which was a legend car race at Charlotte Moore Speedway, uh, about seven or eight years ago, and that is what really launched his career. That actually gave him the money to be able to move up from uh, late models into the truck series, and he's been able to parlay that uh, ever since uh, with rides from Brad Keselowski, Richard Childress Racing, and now the Cup Series. Uh, They still know what number it's going to be. They're bouncing around between the number 8 and the number 31, but it's a well-deserved uh, move up the ladder, in my opinion. Now, Gray, are there any words on primary sponsor? Are they going to have Caterpillar uh, still uh, on that, still on board, or or is that going with Ryan? No, no. I think Caterpillar is a is an RCR sponsor. It was there prior to uh, to Ryan coming over because uh, Jeff Burton drove the Caterpillar uh, Chevrolet before uh, before Ryan came on board. It's my understanding Caterpillar is still with, uh, I don't know the terms of the contract, but it's my understanding that uh, Caterpillar is going to be with uh, RCR again next year. Fantastic news. So, And, Seth, there's a couple of other driver driver movement going on there. Yes, uh, JTG Doherty Racing, uh, the number 47, it will no longer be A.J. Allmendinger. I, it was announced prior to the race weekend that he was not going to be returning. And at the track on uh, Saturday, or Friday, I should say, uh, Brian Priest was announced that he will take over the number 47 Kroger Clicklist Chevrolet Camaro next year uh, for JTG Doherty. Uh, Priest took a chance on himself last year running just what was originally going to be two races for Gibbs, finished runner-up in his first race, and won the second one. Since then, that turned into... Uh, total of seven races last year, 12 this year, and he won at Bristol earlier this year in a Dash for Cash race, which he joked that the money he won from that race, he was finally able to go and pay off the loans that he took out in order to run for Gibbs in the first place. Ah, everything comes full circle. 
Fantastic. So, uh, so before we move on to talk about Formula One, we're at Dover next week. So let's go ru- go around the table and make some picks for Dover. And um, this is the first race of round two. What do they call the challenger round? Uh, it's just the round of twelve now. All around. Well, they used to call it what the champion yeah. round, challenger round. They, they yeah, to... they got rid of those uh, about oh. two years. Ago. That was a sprint thing, wasn't it? Yes. All right, so <laughs> anyway, so we're racing at Dover. Course, uh... So, so you get, so whoever whoever wins the Dover race is going to get the cool trophy with the rock monster. So, Richard, who do you like for Dover? Um, ooh, good question. Uh, let's go Havoc. I know it's a boring pick, isn't it? But uh... but he has a solid track record at Dover, so that's a good pick. Gray, who do you like? Oh Lord! Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson is still in the midst of a fifty-some race um, winless streak. He had a shot this weekend, probably one of his best uh, runs of the year. I think he kind of rebounds from the disappointment of uh, of not making the uh, playoffs this year, and uh, he gets a win at Dover this weekend. You kind of stole my picks. I was thinking that same thing. So, mm-hmm. Seth, who do, who do you like? Well, I was also thinking of Hendrick Motorsports driver, but not Jimmy Johnson. Uh, I actually wrote a piece on him earlier this week. I think it's going to be Chase Elliott. In five starts there, he has four top ten finishes. That one start that wasn't in the top ten, a 12th place earlier this year, and he was runner-up there last year in this race. All right, I'm going to go with... Uh, Kyle Busch, just because, you know, how could you go wrong with Kyle Busch? Because the guy wins a lot of races, so. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, tune in to, uh, NBC next week to watch the race in Dover. Now, Richard, we had a Formula One race out there in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Lewis Hamilton take his eighth win of the year, but it looked for a while like his teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas was going to win until... Team orders kind of rear their ugly head, uh, and whether or not team orders are ugly head or not is up for debate. So, uh, uh, you know, before we start discussing team orders, just just run us through the race right quick. Well, it, it all sort of uh, led back to uh, Saturday, really. Um, in qualifying, Hamilton made a mistake, and uh, which led to uh, Bottas taking. Uh, taking the pole position there, which, uh, you know, he deserved. And then off the start, uh, Bodas made a great start to, to pull away. Uh, Hamilton actually got a relatively um, relatively poor start and then um, actually got a, a, a sort of a sli- um, slipstream coming back from, uh, from Bodas to help pull him away from... Uh, Vettel and uh, you know they're the pretty much sat there for the majority of the race with Bottas ahead and uh, Hamilton second and uh, you know Vettel sort of clinging on for dear life in third there and it was a relatively processional race you had uh, Max Verstappen who qualified at the back of the grid uh, due to engine penalties storm through and uh, have a have a you know not a shot at winning but certainly uh, you know put the um, you know, make make the guys at the front think twice about the strategy calls for that one, and then you saw the the whole the big talking point of the weekend um, with uh, the Mercedes team making the call that uh, Bodash has to let Hamilton through um, 
you know, sort of two thirds of the way through the race there because um, Hamilton was suffering from uh, uh, tyre wear and they didn't want Vettel to be able to attack uh, Hamilton. So Bodas playing the, the good team role, led him through there and, you know, protected Hamilton from, from Vettel. And it was a bit of a sort of, you know, you'd thinking, well, are they going to suddenly let um, you know, bought us back and uh, give him the win at the end of the race, which he undoubtedly deserved. Um, and the answer was no. It was all very disappointing that they let it sort of get to that level of, um, you know, discussion, really. And it was all very, very unavoidable, really. I think Hamilton had enough there to hold off a tail by himself. I don't think he needed any uh, any help, but that was Mercedes just being ultra-conservative with it. And uh, it was, he was very, very, very disappointing, really. But um, yeah, most of the fan base yeah. really kind of, uh, you know, were like left with a sour taste in their mouths after watching this race. Very, right? very, very unnecessary. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, it's like Hamilton's got a pretty good lead, right? But uh, by letting him, you know, by Bottas letting him through. Um, this gives him a full two-race lead, right? He's got a 50-point lead, 25 points for a win. You know, Hamilton can, can DNF the next two races and still be tied for the lead. Um, you know, it's it's decent, decently good business, I guess, but it's uh, for the fans that, uh, you know, paid, uh, you know, 150 rubles to come in. It's, eh, you know, it's a little meh, you know, but... Um, Team orders have been in Formula One as long as I can remember, and certainly as long as you can remember. And and some of the best stories are the guys that defy the team orders, you know. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about at this stage in the season, where Lewis has a pretty good lead, and we want to go ahead and protect that lead and ensure the championship, I really don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, back in the past, you've got times like um, 81, Brazil. Second race of the season, Carlos Reutemann is leading his teammate Alan Jones at Williams, and they throw out the, they throw out the sign P1 Jones, um, and Carlos is supposed to, you know, let uh, Jones go on by. Uh, it's second race of the season, you know. Um, Reutemann defies yeah. the team orders, Wins the race, um, which sets up an uneasy situation for the rest of the season that, that culminates in um, Reutemann is leading the championship and Jones and Reutemann actually collide with one another in Canada late in the season, literally destroying uh, Carlos's you know, shot at the championship. One year later, we have uh, the Ferrari cars comfortably leading at Imola. Um, you know, uh, and they put out a sign, you know, hold, you know, hold, hold your pace, hold position. Didier Peroni chops across the front of Charles Villeneuve and wins the race. Um, the Villeneuve is incensed. And in fact, there are some folks that will tell you that the lap that he lost his life on at the, at the next Grand Prix, he was just trying to beat his teammate because he was so pissed with the um, the, the defiance of the team orders the week before. So, um, do you think T 
team orders are good for the sport, bad for the sport. Because you've seen guys like Schumacher who have a contract that says, my teammate's not allowed to beat me, right? And Rubens, yeah. Rubens Barrichello was happy to play that. Uh, Eddie Irvine did for a while. Um, you know, um, Ricardo Patrese was happy to uh, play second fiddle when he was Mansell's teammate at Williams and say, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, fine, win all you want, uh, and just let me win one at the end of the season when you have the championship you know, in the bag. Yeah. So, But, um, Richard, just throw me your thoughts on um, team orders I mean, and Formula no, 1. No matter what you can do. I mean, there was a while there where the FIA tried to restrict them and tried to sort of ban them, but, I mean, it's never gonna, you're never going to get away from it. Um, it it does leave a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth, especially when it happens early in the season, um, because it's just totally unnecessary. And, you know, they had the whole thing with Ferrari in the early 2000s when they had uh, Barrichello at Schumacher through in Austria when he was four or five race wins ahead of everybody else at that point. So it was all a little bit silly and a little bit unnecessary. And I think it it, it doesn't help the sport. Um you know, Formula One, unlike a lot of the other racing series, is a team sport, and the teams work together. And you know, you, your first person you've got to beat is your teammate. So there's a reluctance for some people to, to to back down to their teammate. But at the end of the day, you know, the 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 guy with the name over his door is the guy that pays your wages, and you've got to do what they say. I mean, another one of my favourite examples of team orders goes back to it's either eighty eight or eighty nine. I think it was eighty nine at Imola when uh, Prost and Senna were, were first and second in McLaren and qualifying, and they had a gentleman's agreement that uh, whoever got off the line first, you know, and was leading going into um, the, the hairpin at the end of the long sort of semi-straight at uh, San Marino would lead coming out of that corner. You know, they weren't allowed to sort of try and pass each other because, you know, there's a lot of accidents there and, uh, you know, they didn't want to take each other out. So they come off the line, and, and Senna's, I think Senna late was leading, and Prost had a good chance to pass him, uh, but backed off. And then Gerhard Berger had a very serious accident at the Tamburella corner, and um, he was very lucky to walk away, but they stopped the race. So that then led to a restart, and on the restart, Prost got ahead and was leading into the first corner. And Senna just dives down the inside and pushes Prost off the side of the track and out of the way, and goes on to win the race. And Prost is furious with Senna and screaming at him in the, you know, post-race. And, and, you know, and Senna, so matter-of-fact, just turns around and says, well, Alan, our agreement was for the start of the race. This was the restart. The agreement did not count. And it's just brilliant how, you know, the, the sort of arrogance in the way of Senna, but also the very matter-of-fact and being right, uh, you know, showed how team orders count for so little when drivers' egos are in play. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of team orders, and I think it's it's something that you just going to have to deal with. Um, as as wrong as it is in many ways, I think. But certainly at this stage of the season that we saw with with, I mean, from a Mercedes point of view, I can I guess I can see a little bit of where they're coming from. This now puts um, you know Hamilton fifty points clear of a tell, which is two race wins. Um, whereas if he'd finished second, he would have been forty three points ahead um, and you know that could have been two DNFs and two wins with Vettel it would have put Vettel back in the lead so I can understand it a little bit just covering themselves um, but um, yeah I, uh, I, I it's, it's a shame 
Yeah, well, I, so coming up, we've got uh, how many races are left? This was the 16th, 16th round, so... Five or six. So five five or six. So, uh, I mean, do you think Ferrari's chances are just dead in the water at this point? Pretty much. I pretty mean, much, yeah. You know, if, if, if Mercedes owns, you know, there are talk of some pretty bad weather over in Japan this weekend for the Japanese race, so unless something crazy happens out there, so, you know, you, you need Vettel to win one of the next two races and Hamilton not finish um, for it to you know, really go, ooh, hello. Um, but, you know, outside of that, pretty, you know, another championship number five or whatever it's going to be now. Has Hamilton had any DNFs this year? Yes, Austria. Oh, okay. I think that's the only one. I can't think of any others. Yeah, that's both actually. Both Botas and um, Hamilton had DNFs in Austria. I think it was hydraulic issues. Um, but outside of that, I don't think so. You know, as, as yeah. much as we like to crack on Hamilton, and Richard, I know that you know, because you're the president of the Lewis Hamilton fan club, um, the guy is just racking up wins left and right, and he's looking, he's poised to win another world championship. And this guy's place in the record record books is secure for years and years. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, look, the guy's good. You know, I think in... In years to come, you know, when his career is finished with, we'll look back on that qualifying lap from Singapore as a, you know, that was a real statement. You know, there's an, undoubtedly he's had the best car, you know, the majority of the, his career when he's won the world championships. Um, but that was something special. You know, they, they didn't have the fastest car there that weekend. Um, and for him to pull that out, you know, credit where credit's due. That was something special. Absolutely. And there's only, there's only a small handful of guys who have won the championship that didn't have the fastest car. You know what I mean? You can probably, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. so, uh, and, and that's just, that's a symptom of the sport, so. But Hamilton is really kind of, you know, as much as you don't want to admit it, he's, he's getting he's right. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's he's getting right up there. He's like you know he's he's uh you know when you talk about the giants of the sport, he's going to be in the in the top five names you ever mentioned. So at some point, without without any hesitation, and yep, yep. So you have to look at you know you have to look at and, and you can always talk this kind of the the era of the sport and when when you viewed it, but um, you know does this put him in the same, you know, say he wins this year and he gets another, he matches Schumacher's seven championships. Is he in the same league as Schumacher? I don't yeah. think so. I yeah. think he's... Gray was coming out of this. Well, yeah, Richard, yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it's that way in every form of motorsports. You look at, you look at the all-time greats and, 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 you know, Richard Petty told, me a long time ago he said look he said people are great in their in in their time he said it's virtually impossible to stack up i mean you can look at the stats and you can have the most wins of anybody in this but i mean to say that so and so was the was was the best all time i think is nearly impossible you can you can be the best of your time the best of your generation or whatever but i don't i think it's virtually impossible to to uh to say, you know, we hear that every day, all the comparisons 
and NASCAR between Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt and, you know, uh, Bobby Allison, Cale Yarborough, Richard Petty, I mean, David Pearson, the list goes on and on. And that's, that's something that for the fans to debate, I guess. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, but, um, yeah, yeah, again, you've got guys that had relatively short careers, um, like Jim Clark, um, Yuck and Rent, um, guys yeah. like guys like that who were just amazing at what they did, and and, and with the equipment that they were given, and so how do you compare them to a Lewis Hamilton? You can't, you can't, because you can't re- compare, no. you know, that era right. to this era. So, but um, like Jimmy Clark, Jimmy Clark's era, and yeah, even even you know you talked about him earlier, Gilles Villeneuve. You know, yeah. I mean, what would he have achieved if he hadn't right. had that accident? I mean, yeah, yeah, the the guy has a total of six Grand Prix wins, but. Man, he was fantastic oh. to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but um, anyway, so uh, and, and Hamilton's got what, uh, how many wins now? He, he's 50 got almost. He has. I want to say it's fifty poles, right? Yeah, he's not. Gonna, I don't think he's going to catch Schumacher's win record of ninety-two, no, isn't it? Mm, he uh, might. If anybody can, he mm, can. But, I don't uh, think. I think he's going <coughs> to. I think at some point he's going to. He I think in. Two or three years, I think he's going to turn around and be like, "I'm going to go off and be a movie star with Nicki Minaj or something." I don't know. Um, I, I think he's going. To, I don't think he's going to keep going like Schumacher did. Um, and in all fairness, if Schumacher hadn't quit in 2006 and he'd carried on, which I think during his comeback showed he certainly had the pace at times, he would have won well in excess of 100. It was just the political timing of his retirement Ferrari that probably limited his number of victories. Yeah, and too, you know, you, you look at you look at each driver, especially in the modern era of Formula One, it's got a lot to do with the equipment they're in, you know. And when obviously, you know, he's been he's been with he's he's got those wins with Mercedes that he's just racked up over the last five or six years, and and they've been the class of the field, and, and yeah. no doubt no doubt about it. And Schumacher was in a similar situation, you know. He was he was his, his his equipment was the class of the field, so obviously that 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 helps, and they are they're up to uh, their standards are up to par to, to be able to sit in that equipment, no doubt. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot there's a lot has to has to do with it, particularly modern era uh, of the sport. I'm just trying to think outside of Hamilton's first championship when he was with McLaren, has it ever gone down to the last race of the season and him win a championship? I, can't um, think of the top of my head. I know I, he went I, down to the so. season with with Rosberg, and he lost that one. But uh, you know, of course, it, you know, the, the year before his rookie season, he probably should have won, but then had that brain fade in China and crashed coming into the pit lane. Yeah, and that's probably <laughs> you know you know what's the old adage you got to you got to lose one before you can win one kind of thing that they always to throw a greater out extent, to, yeah. Yeah, something like that too. But yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt, he's 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 a very talented uh, guy. But like any other sport, you when you when you dominate a sport, you 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 leave yourself open for criticism. And obviously, you know, there's there's and just to throw the football thing out there. You know, a lot of people don't like Tom Brady because he wins all the time. Things like <laughs> that. You know, it's uh, it's a, it's the same kind of thing. But yeah, you have to respect him and you have to respect what he's achieved. Oh yeah, absolutely, without, without yeah, anything. for sure, yeah. So, but guys, we've got about four minutes left or less. 
So I just want to just briefly touch on a couple of uh, IndyCar news stories. Um, Felix Rosenquist is confirmed as Scott Dixon's teammate at Ganassi. Um, Santino Ferrucci, our uh, young American friend from Connecticut who has been in the Haas, uh, Haas F1 development program, looks to be like he's going to be doing a full season of IndyCar with Dale Coin Racing. And speaking of Scott Dixon... His movie, Born Racer, um, dropped the other day on um, DVD and digital, and the review the reviews are in, and the movie is fantastic. If you want to watch a really good racing documentary, Born Racer um, is is all about Scott Dixon. Um, you can find it on Amazon, uh, Fye. You can find it on Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. Um, you can either download it or you can buy the DVD. But uh, take a few minutes and watch this. Uh, you know, Dixon is one of the behemoths of the sport of IndyCar, and they've made this film, and it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, take a look at it. So, But we are just about out of time. I have enough time to go around the table for a final thought from everybody. Now, Richard, are we Formula 1 next week? Suzuka? Suzuka this coming weekend, yep, so that's going to be, oh, probably even, maybe even Saturday night. Like All right, so you need to give me a pick. Around about midnight race start. Right, who, who, do, you like, who do you like? Suzuka. Oh, Raikkonen. Seth, who do you like for Suzuka? Botas. And Gray? Battle, he's got to make hay. He's got to make hay, yeah, so. And uh, Gray, one final thought for the night before we uh, run out of time. Well, we're going into the next round of the playoffs. We got Dover coming up. It's going to be a big weekend there, and then uh, look forward to seeing how this first this first uh, race of the second round goes. All right, Seth. Final thought for the night. Uh, in the NASCAR Canaan Pro West race this past weekend, Haley Deegan became the first female to win in that series, and the first female to win since Shauna Robinson in the nineteen eighties. And that was huge, yeah. And our friend Louise was there at that race, so that's cool. Richard, one final thought for the night? Uh, it enraged me so much, I've got to go back to it. Truex, ban him for a race, park him, do something, make an example of him. It's not good enough. All right, so I'll get a hold of NASCAR, tell him to ban Truex. But until then, we're out of time, guys. I want to thank the Hoobas Do Radio Network. I want to thank... Uh, iHeartRadio, I want to thank you, Gray, Richard Uden, and I want to thank all those folks that listen to us every week, and we'll talk to you in a week. Have a good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 